At some point in time in our life, we're handed a microphone and we're put in the spotlight. In those defining moments of life, what we say and how we conduct ourselves are put on display for everybody to see. We all wish they were at those times when life was all together for us. But most of the time, the spotlight comes and the microphone is handed to us when life seems to unravel in front of us. It was an ordinary day for Todd Beamer, father, faithful father and father, faithful husband and father of two. His wife, Lisa, was carrying their third child. It was an ordinary trip on an extraordinary day. It was 9-11. He was on flight 93 that was hijacked. While they were in the air, he spoke with Lisa Jefferson at the GTE Communication Center in Oak Brook, Illinois, as he could just see his life unravel. Two planes had already hit the trade towers. He asked her to repeat the Lord's Prayer with him. He was calm, tense, she says, with just a hint of panic, and there were tears. Finally, after the prayer, Todd's words were firm. He said, are you guys ready? And then he said, let's roll. He was in the spotlight that day when he had no intentions of being in there. He was not trained to fight terrorism, but on this day, he was handed the microphone and he was put in the spotlight. And in that defining moment of life, we saw how we should conduct ourselves in even the most extreme circumstances. You know, sometimes in life, God hands us the microphone. Sometimes when life unravels, God says, do you have something to say? Sometimes when we kind of want to cower in the dark, God says, I'm going to put the spotlight on you so that people could understand how believers are to act when life kind of unravels in front of them. You want to talk about a bad day. Job had a bad day. Turn to Job chapter 1. As a matter of fact, no matter how bad your day is, I guarantee you Job's day was far worse than your best worst day. Whatever your best worst day is, I guarantee you, Job blows it out of the water. Let me reset the scene for you as his life was about to come unraveled. In Job chapter 1, and by the way, uh, the words are not going to come up on the screen, so keep your Bible. I'm going to refer to the scriptures but not read the scriptures until we get towards the end, and then I'll read the scriptures as we survey uh, the verses, but I'll let you know, so I want you to follow along. In chapter 1, verses 1 through 12, we're introduced to Job. Satan appears in the courts of heaven to discuss issues of faith and character with God himself. Satan, who's our adversarial accuser, hurled accusations at God and Job, saying that the only reason Job was a follower of God is because God blessed him in everything he did. Kids, wealth, family, health. I mean, the the whole kit and caboodle. I mean, he just blessed God all the way around. He had a good life, a good home. And so finally, God granted permission to Satan to do whatever he wanted to do with Job, but don't lay a finger yet on his servant. Job knew nothing about the conversation, nor did he realize what was about to happen. Nor did he realize he was about to be thrust into the spotlight. It's an ordinary day doing ordinary things in an ordinary way for Job. There's no hint that this day, this very bad day, 
would be the, a defining moment in his life. Life was good, health was good, kids were good, business was good. It was all good, as Jack Daniel says around here all the time. But isn't it absolutely amazing how life can unravel so quickly? One day on the job, the next day they escort you out the door. One day you go to the doctor's. Three days later, you're back for test results, and you get bad news. One day, you're at home, and you find out a deeply hidden secret that leaves you nervous and tight, with a nervous tightening in your chest. And one day, a heartbreaking loss can happen without a hint of warning. It's amazing how life can unravel so quickly. Job's bad day begins badly in Job chapter 1 and verse 13. All ten children was at the oldest son's home and a family gathering of sorts. And it seemed to be their custom just kind of get together and hang together and, and uh, enjoy life together. And Job knew where they were and he would go and offer sacrifices and pray over them as they were doing the family thing and the family uh, custom. But then verse 13 and 14 tells that a messenger comes bursting into the house unannounced. He is out of breath. Terror is in his eyes. Obviously, he has bad news by the tone of his voice. Breathlessly, he told Job that the Sabians had attacked Job's workers and he had stole all of the oxen and all of the donkeys and killed everyone involved, all of the workers, all the employees that Job had, and that he and he alone was the only survivor. What? The Sabians? Job was probably at peace before this with the, the Sabians. Now they're acting in open hostility towards him. And, and now the backbone of his agricultural business, the oxen and the donkeys, was gone in moments. The news barely left the worker's lips when another worker bolts in the door. Look at verse 17. He shares how the Chaldeans orchestrated a strategic military strike. They had three raiding parties that swept in and took the 5,000 camels and, and killed all of Job's workers. And he and he alone was the only employee to survive to tell the tale. No doubt by now Job's wife can sense the tension that is in the home. And she slips in by Job's side as the day begins to unravel and life begins to unravel in front of them. And when he thought it couldn't get any worse, Job is reeling. His financial world has become unraveled. Back up to verse 16. I skipped that. A worker comes in and fire. He tells her this incredible dramatic story. How fire came down from heaven, consumed all of the sheep. Man, it was one thing when his enemies, the Chaldeans and the Sabians, were against him. But now, is God against him too? And in one moment, lightning, fire, brims, I mean, it all came down and all fell down from heaven. And the sheep were gone and the workers were gone. And this poor guy was the only one left to tell the tale. I would imagine Job is rocked. Financially, every resource he had to create and make wealth was gone, stripped from him. You know, some of you have looked at your year-end statement in your stock portfolio, and it's down 25 to 40%, maybe even upwards to 60%. But you still have money in the portfolio with the ability to make money. I don't think you're going to make money anytime soon, but the potential is there. Job had lost all potential to make wealth. 
He's shocked. He's stunned. He reels back, trying to get his mind around it all because it's just boom, 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 rapid fire, fire, progressions. And then he's thinking, can it get any worse? And one final messenger comes through the door. Tears in his eyes because he loved Job's children. He said, Job, I don't know how to tell you. Joe, I don't know how to break it to you, but, 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 but you know how sometimes the wind can, can fiercely come out of the, the west and blow to the east. Job, there was a, a mighty wind that, that blew across the plains, and Job, it, it struck with such violence on your eldest son's house that, that the pressure on the inside was, was greater than the pressure on the outside, and it just kind of imploded within, and Job, all children are lost. Job, they're gone. And your servants too, Job. And I'm the only one left to tell you. Life had completely unraveled for Job. The spotlight was on. His knees buckled. His head spinning. He sits to the closest thing to him and in a blink life as he knew it became unraveled. A lot of you are feeling that way too. The economic situations, problems in your home, problems in life in general, just stress that just kind of lives within you and resides in you. You just kind of feel like life is just kind of unraveling. And the more you try to grab the threads, it just unravels faster than you can get the threads and pull it all back together. But the spotlight's on. The microphone's cranked up. And then look in Job chapter 1 and verse 20. I want to read the verse because in English it doesn't translate very well. No matter what version you use, King James and Ivy, doesn't matter what version you use, it doesn't translate well because in this one verse there are five Hebrew verbs. Five specific actions that Job did. And, and, and no matter what verse, version you have, they, they don't quite translate it as clearly as, as what the Hebrew punctuates his, his anguish and his sorrow with. Listen to the verse, it says, and at this, at what? At the end of four series of bad news. Life had unraveled and, and the threads were just frayed and, and he was just trying to get his arms around what had just happened in that day. At this, at this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head and he fell on the ground in worship. He's trembling His hand brushes back the tears. And no doubt he comforts his grieving wife. And why we're not told all that he did, there are five things that he did. First of all, he got up. Don't miss the implication of this. Satan can do his best to a child of God. And he may knock us down, but he does not have the power to keep us down. Job got up. The news was bad. Life was unraveling. But Job took his stand. See, a lot of us kind of wait and let life happen to us. Job said, all right, you know what? I'm going to stand. He got up. He got up. He didn't stay down. I believe that God gives us strength and help in those times of deep testing and great needs. And I believe absolutely that God's strength is there for us. Then the Bible said he tore his robe. I mean, he literally just tore his clothes. And if I had a six-pack and a muscular body, I thought about doing that. 
but I don't. When he tore his robe, it was a sign of great mourning. It was a sign of of deep grief. The frayed and unraveled pieces of, of torn cloth showed everyone outwardly the reality, the deep pain that he was experiencing inwardly. Job was a hurting, broken man. And man, is a sign of his inward grief. He tore his clothes, then he shaved his head. The Bible alludes to the fact that hair on the head is a sign of a covering of glory or favor from God. Job shaved his head, and, and I'm sure his hands were trembling and, and, and hardly steady and hardly see his face or head in the mirror because of the tears. In essence, Job was saying that he shaved his head because his joy was gone. Heart-wrenching pain at life and unraveled. Then the Bible says he fell down. And by the way, I want you to understand, he didn't slip and he didn't fall down. It's not a great translation in, in any of the English versions. The Bible in the Hebrew says that with intention and purpose, he chose to lie down. And here's what Job did. It's a sign of great mourning. He got down as, as far as he could go. And a lot of us, when we pray at the altar, we pray like this, and, and we meet with God on our knees. And sometimes if you're even broken and, 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 and you just bury your hands in your head and you just put your hands down and you'll just wail and cry, but Job went beyond that. Job got down as far as he could go, as flat and as prostrate as he could be on the ground. He humbled himself, and I want you to understand the next verb says that he worshiped. Job was putting himself in a position where he was absolutely as low as he could go under the mighty authority of God. And here he was. You ever been there? At such a crisis moment in your life, you felt you couldn't get any lower. At such a crisis moment in your life, life had completely unraveled, the threads were frayed in so many different directions that you were just, you were just there and the best that you could do, the best that you could do was just fall on your face in front of a holy God and say, God, the only thing I know to do is worship you. And then the Bible says he worshiped. He didn't sing a song like the disciples sang coming out of the upper room. He didn't have a praise band and a praise team to worship with. Matter of fact, Job worshiped with truth. And here's what Job said. Job said, naked came I from my mother's womb. And naked will I return. Now let's pause for a moment. Let's don't even suppose for one minute that this is the first time in Job's life that his life got frayed around the edges or that he was stressed to his breaking point. I can only imagine 
that as Job started his business, he faced oppositions and setbacks like many of you who are in business face oppositions and setbacks. And many of you have stress and trauma and drama in your home with your one child or your two child. Can you imagine 10 children? To say that this was Job's first brush with disappointments, I think stretches our imagination. I think to assume that this is Job's first bout with disillusionment is is to bait the question. And, And the thing is, why could Job bend down and worship? Why would Job take his stand? You see, Job worshiped by affirming his faith. And I am sure that even before this point, Job's life had been through enough to know enough that God would always be faithful. He worshiped. His life had frayed around the edges before. His life had unraveled before. And except now the spotlight was on him. Now the microphone was in his hands. And I'm convinced, I am absolutely convinced that Job had walked with God enough and had been through enough of life's disappointments and setbacks to know that God's grace was good enough for whatever he faced. And see, I want you to understand, and having been through enough with God, Job didn't panic. Job didn't fly off the handle. Job didn't do the whole drama thing. Job simply understood that his walk with God had been through enough to know enough that God's grace would always be enough. See 
for some time with him. You may not have the theology right. You may not be able to explain the end times right. You may not even be able to to say that you've walked faithfully. But you've walked with God long enough to know that he's good enough for whatever you need. You've walked with God enough. So when life unravels, and there'll be times it'll feel that way, remember God's past blessings, his answers to prayer. Remember his strength and love and previous times of need. And I think it's time that we as believers, because life does unravel even for us, to grab the microphone and just say what Job said and let the world know when the spotlight's on us and and times aren't as good as what we'd like, that our response is as of Job's, blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. This wasn't a blessed be the name of the Lord from a man who just had a tremendous worship experience. This was a worship response from a man whose life had unraveled. And maybe you're here today and you feel like your life is unraveling. You're frayed around the edges, economics, worry, layoffs, cutbacks, health issues, emotional overload being, overload being physically spent. And as you sit here this morning, you realize that you've been through enough to know that God's grace will always be enough to carry you through. So today I invite you as believers to reaffirm your faith in God's grace that's good enough. To reaffirm your trust in God's goodness and his favor. I invite you to do what Job did, whether you you do it at your seat or whether you, you kneel at an altar of prayer, but you stand up and you kneel down and you worship. Not with a song, but with words of affirmation. Blessed 
be the name of the Lord. God, I know you're good. You've been good to me. And God, I know your grace is enough to carry me through. Would you stand to your feet with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? In just a moment, I'm just going to ask Katie just to jump in and sing a verse. And maybe you're here today and, and you just say, Pastor, man, I'm really going through it, but I, I, I know God's good enough. I know his grace is more than enough. And I need to just reaffirm that faith in him. So with no one looking around, you know what's going on in your heart and your life. And maybe today you just want to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Going through a hard time right now. Worries and anxieties abound. But I've been through enough with God to know that he's more than enough to meet the needs of my heart and life. There's many of you raising your hands. Just raise them quickly. Raise them quickly. Now I'm going to ask you to simply, I'm telling you, there's something about it. There's just something about it. I can't describe it. But I think there's something about just taking your stand and kneeling down and saying, God, for whatever I'm going through, you've been good to me in the past and you're good to me today. And I know that you'll be more than enough for whatever I face in the future. As Kay sings, the altar is open. He's more than enough. Blessed, blessed, blessed.